0: Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Braw and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. Well, this is a lovely way to start the week. I know I say that a lot in this podcast, but genuinely is. I genuinely mean that when I say it. Um, because I'm getting to catch up with somebody that I actually know in real life that we've got together. And, um, but it's been a while. So uh, thanks so much, um, Aileen Sweeney, for being on
1: The Brawn the Brave. No bother, Lisa Kennedy.
0: <laughs> I was just saying, like, what can I introduce you as? So I, get, like, I feel like there's more things to add on to this list, but um, you are indeed a composer, musician, and fellow podcaster. Yep, that that ticks ticks some boxes, yeah. <laughs> and a gallivanter, but this and a all these holidays. I'm glad that I managed to capture you before you head <laughs> off into the sunset. Aye, totally, totally. It's going to be a busy <laughs> summer, but looking forward to it. Well, I know how busy you've been because I see bits and bobs on social media, and yeah, we we met each other a number of years ago. Maybe I don't know, about six years ago. Aye, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and um. You are just the best person to work with because you're just so much fun and so just like oh, Let's go on where yeah, and the track <laughs> is always good. So and actually, I mean, special commendation to you because you are only one of I think like two people that have been a repeat guest on the brand the brave. Well, yeah,
1: that is true. That is because you come in
0: many yeah. guises. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you do. <laughs> So this is exciting, and um, yeah, so I know a lot about you, but I guess there's probably tons of stuff that I don't know, and I think I did grill you when I met you, so I was like, so when did you start playing the accordion, and who, <laughs> does somebody else play the accordion in your family, you were like, right, okay, <laughs> I'm very interested, so music,
1: has <clears throat> that always just been a thing that's important
0: in your life, do you think?
1: Oh yeah, 100%, I was um, round with all my dads last night, actually, when we were reminiscing about um one of the first concerts she took me to, and um, it was a a fiddle orchestra that was playing in Bishop Briggs, and I I was really really young. I think um, I must have just I, I think I was able to walk, um, so that sort of age, and um, the, the my mum took me in, and the ushers and the the performers were looking at me like, oh my god, that baby's going to go off. It's not like get that thing out of here, and. Um, My mum said I just loved it. I just sat and danced along and loved it. And then I actually can remember it, like very, very vaguely. I can remember where I was kind of sitting, because it's a a place in Bishop Briggs I've been, like, since. And I can kind of remember where I was sitting and I can kind of remember seeing it. Um, So, so yeah, um, mum took me me and my sister to lots of concerts. We didn't really start um, sort of taking music seriously, you know, Mm. until we were late primary school, early, early high school. Um, but yeah, as, um, sorry, once we got to, got into it, like my mom and dad were really, really supportive. Like be, we cannot like fault them at all. Like every night they were driving us all over Scotland to music lessons, band rehearsals, forking out for, you know, instruments and, you know, sheet music and send us to camps and all this, like, Every spare penny, like once we were in and like committed to it, me and my sister, you know, mom and dad were like, "Yep, yeah, if that's what you want to do, we'll we'll support you." You know, and it it is amazing because um, no one else in my family is really a professional musician, and it's sort of the thing when you sort of say that you want to go into music that maybe parents would be like, "Are you sure? You know, you don't want to? You know, you've got good grades in science. Are you sure you don't want to? You know." Yeah try that or you know go into something else but uh, no they were like 100% like mm. super supportive and to be honest i mean nothing's impossible but it's very very difficult if you don't have that support i mean and i'm i'm sure um i'm sure it's the same for all creative um art forms you know if you don't have the support at home it's really it's really a, a difficult path to take. Yes,
0: so. to carve that path on your own is difficult enough, but you know, without yeah. the support of somebody saying you can do this, because I'm sure there's as many knockbacks as there are like triumphs oh, yeah. and successes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because even if you're not auditioning as such, like you're still having to graft away to create that work and find opportunities you know like I'm always (laughs) I'm always like sending people stuff I'm like they're probably she thinks she's a career officer but anytime I see jobs or stuff I'm like just sending to people because I'm like it is like it it is a graft it is a constant graft even and you know people are loyal and you and I have worked on a summer school together um on a number of occasions and I'm always like really Really appreciative of the people that you know get you back to do stuff like the yeah. that look out you can go. You did a good job. We'll get you back because that means so much. Because otherwise, you would just be constantly going. I'm doing this job, but I'm looking for the next one. Oh yeah, it's it's a tough gig. It's a tough totally, gig. <laughs> totally. But you are a talented human being. So I mean, the thing is, like Thank these you. opportunities <laughs> are coming to you, and you're making them happen. What was
1: actually the first instrument that you took up? Then was was it accordion? <laughs> no, well. I I sort of um was keen to sort of get into music in that and I come from a sort of Irish Catholic background and there was a music group um called Tip Rocks that my mom and dad took me to um down in Royston and um they wouldn't let you pick an instrument until you did the tin whistle for two years. Yes. So two years of the tin whistle um before I was allowed to pick the accordion and I was desperate and I like desperate for the accordion my dad um, he dabbles on a few instruments because he was a, a firefighter and oh, cool. when they were on the night shift they used to kind of all bring in stuff and kind of teach each other a wee bit of guitar oh. or a wee bit of this a wee bit of that Um, so anyway my dad could play a couple of tunes on the accordion and I was like that's for me. for me I loved it. The really, just, really like accessible instrument that you can carry about. Oh like, god! Really. <laughs> I mean, if I'm being serious, if I could go back in time, I would genuinely pick something else. But as a <laughs> as a kid, it was like big. It was loud. It could play really fast, and it didn't need other instruments. You know, it accompanies itself. Like, yes. I mean, I I, I love other instruments like the fiddle and stuff. But as a kid, it, it does sound a little like bare. You know. Whereas the accordion's is like, um, ba, um, ba, um, ba. and I was like, that's it. I mean. <laughs> um, so yeah, picked up the accordion there, maybe when I was in late primary school, like maybe about primary seven. And then a, a few years later on, sort of was like, oh, I'll take the piano up. And then um, when I was in high school, um, I didn't get uh, music lessons in the school because they only did like woodwind and brass. And yeah, um, but my school had a, a jazz band and the jazz band every other year got to on a, go on a band tour in inverted commas to Disneyland Paris oh, because we, they basically got like they played, we played for free all the way to get ourselves to Disneyland Paris. Like we played on the ferry and I think the teacher managed to get us like cheap tickets. <laughs> and then we would play in Disneyland Paris and get a reduced ticket. So I was like, I want, to go on the trip the band trip to Paris but I played the accordion and there was no room for me in the jazz band on the accordion obviously so I was like what do I think's the easiest instrument I could pick up I asked the teacher he's like well we need some tenor saxes so I like got the tenor sax and then got some lessons and then the next year I was on oh Paris word. baby <laughs> that's <is> so impressive <laughs> I love how a young person you were already like that. I can play that I- I'm making that happen I'm going it's, to Disney yeah. Well, it's funny though. I have to I have to give credit where credit's due. Having played the tin whistle, the fingering was kind of similar. Um, embouchure and stuff, obviously not so much. But I and I could already read music at that point, so I just I just needed to get enough um, to be able to play like the Blues Brothers and Tequila, and that that was the the repertoire and the the skilled jazz bands. So there you go. That was I love my the sounds
0: of your um, jazz band leader as well. They they sound like they're just like. He was a legend. All about music,
1: all about it happen. He was also called Mister Sweeney as well. Oh, come
0: on now. <laughs> I know, right? Um, I would see that yeah. interesting word that you used there. That I was like, I'm going to guess that, that I know what that is, but maybe I don't know. Did you say embouchure? Uh,
1: yeah, embouchure. I'm going to like embarrass myself if any actual like woodwind professionals are listening, like my sister. Um, but it's like it's like the positioning of your mouth against the against the the instrument. I did so. think it was something to do but I wasn't <laughs> sure. Something to do with move. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got the
0: accordion on the go, we've got piano lessons on the go, we're now playing the tenor sax, is that what you said? Yeah, tenor sax. Tenor yep. sax. Obviously, tin whistle was in the bag.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two years of that. <laughs> yeah, I'd, um, I'd finesse that way back. Okay, so you that, yeah, that. That, that. was on the back burner. <laughs> my
0: dad was desperate for well, actually my sister ended up, she kind of self she taught herself how to play it because we were big massive chorus fans. Oh yeah. So she had the baran, she'd the tin whistle. She was the one in the family who could actually play instruments. So I just did all the all the chanting and that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, sure I, I'm sure you could teach me a few things in the tin whistle. But um so like by this point, you're you're at high school. Are you thinking I do want to pursue music as like you know further education or even like going on to do it as a job
1: yeah 100 probably by like um third year i was like oh yeah I, I want to go to the rcs i want to go to the rcs and um, maybe even a wee bit younger than that but i i don't think i really understood what that entailed um to be honest and again my mom and dad were super supportive um but even them themselves didn't quite understand what it takes to to get to that level you know um so, because you look on the website and it says you need to be sort of grade eight or above, and I'm like, okay, great, I'm grade three. Then now, so if I maybe do a grade next year, a grade next year, I'll be kind of there, and I'll be fine, yeah, totally. But it's like it's grade eight and above, and okay. everyone's above. Like, do you do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's um it's really yeah, it's it's really tricky, and especially with them. Um, RCS being the only conservatoire in Scotland, there's maybe like, there's normally only like one place for this instrument, or maybe only three places. And you know, it depends on, you know, the students they've got there now. Like, for example, mm. if they've already got 10 trombones, they don't need another one. You know, so it oh, yeah. kind of comes and goes. But, um, and,
0: excuse me for my ignorance, but are all <laughs> instruments graded at the, the same rate then? So you could be grade eight piano, and that means this equivalent in from Yeah, Yeah.
1: Per- uh, pretty much pretty much um yeah it's a, it's a tricky road um and I guess my mom and dad kind of figured it out with me and how to get there and it's a tricky thing as well um like when you're at a what do you call it a state school you know like I'm gonna I'm gonna sound terrible here but what with what I'm about to say but like I was the best at music in my school good enough you know because there was no competition there was nobody else who was even really that remotely interested in music so I didn't really have that sense of what the standards really were you know Um, my younger sister again she wanted to pursue music my mum and dad were a bit clued up more clued up by the time she sort of went through the the system of it all and she went to a music specialist school you know so even being in that environment that more competitive environment um, probably gives you more of a sense of you know um, and it wasn't really my mum Figured out about the junior academy that the RCS mm-hmm. ran on Saturdays. We didn't really find out about that until I was getting into fifth year and I auditioned on saxophone and uh, piano. And I never get in. And um, I was so shocked. I mean, that sounds awful. Like, oh, it I'm doesn't so shocked, you know right? at all. Understand you? like, I'm like the top of my school. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm the I'm a musician at that's... the school. Yeah, I get full. I got full marks on all my music lists. Like, what? You like, you know what I mean? Like, I was so Absolutely. heartbroken. Um, but that that really gave me a sense of all right, okay, I get it now. Um so I applied again and I got in for this for my final year, and again that that was all the sort of best musicians and young musicians in Scotland come together and I was like, whoa, okay, they're practicing four hours a day. I'm doing like an hour. Mm-hmm. Like, oh wow, okay, oh, they're in music schools and they've got all this experience doing this. Oh right, okay. Um, So I was late to the game, but once I was there, I was like, I've got, right, I'm going to work really, really hard and catch up. No, I was like, I need to catch up with these folk because I was way behind, way behind. Um, But it's good because, you know, it's easy to get put off because, you know, there's this emphasis on, I don't want to use the word prodigy, but there's this huge emphasis on young talent, you know, and it can be easy for people to feel like they've missed the boat, you know, Because it's it's always the same, you know, you see things like BBC Young Magician and Young This and Young Competition for that. And I know other people can be be like, oh, no, I'm I'm only grade four and I'm 15. It's like, that's okay, Like, you know, you just need to get yourself in gear and really work, you know
0: course um, I, like I'm all for like creating opportunities for young people absolutely 100% but yeah someday I mean we're just talking about me turning 40 this year before we started recording. Yeah. the day there was this opportunity for like this BBC introducing thing and it was um like experiencing in radio djing and yeah, I yeah. have always wanted to do de- like proper djing and then the whole broadcasting thing and I was like that sounds amazing and I was pretty looking into it and then you had to be like I think it was like up to age 25 and I was I like know. Oh, my God, I missed the boat
1: by, like, a lot of years. It's it's, it's dreadful, and I think there's there's um, been a bit of movement trying to, like, combat this, but I see it across creative fields all the time, like, opportunity for people under 25 or people who've graduated, you know, in the last five years or this. Which is, which is which totally legit. Um, of course, it's totally legit. Young people should have these opportunities. Of course they should. But we can't. We can't um, forget that not everyone has those opportunities when they're young, or is, or is able to take them. You know, when you need to open the playing field for people who haven't been able to take the the path. You know, that's um, yeah. Because it's a proper consideration. Like even for you, like
0: to to go on to study music, like it's the you know the money that's involved in that. Like, are you going to have to move away from home? Are you going to stay in halls? Like, it's the cost. Implica- and then, like you're saying. No, you're like I'm going to, need to do this. Like I need to practice four hours a day. So then yeah. you're going to be able to take on a part time job to see yourself through. It. Like all that kind of stuff. You know that that could
1: be a roadblock right at the start for anybody that's considering it. Oh, 100 percent. And I, I'm glad to see you know, as I say, changes in the way that music education and and stuff. Uh, and I, I'm kind of mostly in the in the, the classical side of things, which is very has its own problems. You know, but it's it's a hobby for for rich kids or people who have the spare cash and that really needs to be helped and addressed, mm. you know, um, which I have seen happen, you know, which is good. Great, good. That's good. Um, so over. after you went to those Saturday
0: classes and you're like, right, I'm up in my game, like it's not put you off. So then you're basically pursuing going to the conservatoire to study yeah. further.
1: Yeah, 100%. And I applied for the course. I wanted the performance course and I never got in again. Um, so like, not, bla- not back so plenty Um so what I did was I started the teaching course to see how I, I felt about that. Um and it was good. I did the year and I, I gave it my all and I got a sort of qualification at the end of it, but then I was like, no, I'm gonna reapply for the for the for the performance course again, reapplied and got it the second so I started June 8 again um the following year. You've got to admire that determination. Like you were totally obviously you were like, This is what I'm doing, this is I'm meant to do this, this is what I'm about to do. I know and again like I have to hand it to Mum and Dad. You know, again, parents I might have been like, Oh, that's a real shame. But you know, you've got you've got you're all these advanced hires and your hires. Why don't you apply for something else as a backup? And I was like, No, no, you're fine. Try again next year. You'll be you'll you'll get it. And my teacher at the time as well. I have to hand it to him, um, Jorge Gaij. He um he started giving me two lessons a week, you know, to sort of catch me up and all that. Mm. So it was a, a sort of a fair intensive sort of period of time, but got there in the end. So I, and then some, <laughs> and <laughs>
0: what, is the it, what is it? was the goal to, was it a goal? Or just, you were just like, I just want to be playing. I just want to be learning. Or did you have like a, I am then going to do this. And then I'm going to do that. Like a plan. Oh, no idea.
1: The, the, the getting into uni was like such a, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, w- I just went there and sort of gave it, like, worked really, really hard when I was there. And I just kind of was open to seeing what came my way, to be honest. I think it was always realistic that it was always going to be a freelance sort of thing that I was going to be doing with the, with the skill set I had and the instruments that I played. You know, it wasn't like I was going to be, like, first accordion of the RSNO. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that doesn't exist. Um, okay. So um I always knew it was going to be like a freelance thing so I think my mindset was just take everything that I got offered absolutely everything um I have done some crazy crazy things for a bit of cash like you know um it's good for the cv it's good for the cv oh my god my mum that is her like catchphrase like oh my god ultimate catchphrase like it'd be good for the cv though i'm like is it i'm not telling anybody about this like i think one of the sort of biggest slogs i took was i think it was some false advertising on behalf of the Falkirk wheel but they wanted um they advertised specifically to the rcs for people who would play a wee bit during their busy seasons in the cafe but also work in the cafe so like working in the cafe, me and my friend both did it. And then like playing a wee bit of background music in the cafe over the lunch period. I mean, that's two very different skill sets there. I think I basically was working in the cafe, but logging a bunch of gear, like to play some oh uh, yeah, that was it was alright. I mean, it was fine. Like, but you like get your barista skills up and yeah. Try and oh. get my exposure from the my gigs at the Falkirk wheel. Um that's not the worst though. That was just a kind of that was a weird one. Like Get that was just... Sitting there with my hairnet playing my, my tunes. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I, I just had a very um take everything and yeah. see where you end up approach. Um, so when it soon I graduated in 2017, I had enough work to to be getting on with. You know, I had teaching some, you know, gigs and other bits and bobs. Uh, and I was happy enough and I was kinda of, like oh, yeah, I'm, I'm done with studying now, you know. Oof, that was a fair slog. I'm done. But it was, I, I kind of thought to myself, but is this what I to be doing in 30 years, you know? It's more of the same. Yeah, like this kind of random stuff, you know? Um, so that's when I kind of considered going back and doing composition. So then went back and did my master's in composition. And, yeah, that's opened... New doors as well that you know the performance degree wouldn't have. So I'm definitely done now, definitely done now. Mum's like, Oh, why don't you do a PhD? I'm like, No, like, we're good for your CV.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I genuinely admire that and the going back as well eh, because, yeah, you away from studying for a while, you're making money, you're doing your thing, you're enjoying it, I'm sure. Yeah, but yeah. you've obviously, you know, there's more want to learn see when you were like at school and you were learning stuff and you were at,
1: the the conservatory the first time round, were you already composing music? It was something I kind of got into as I went to uni, so yeah, there was the option I dabbled a wee bit when I got to go to the Junior Academy um, and really enjoyed it, so it was an option to do it as a second study, so I did it as a second study for four years Um, and yeah, during the four years I, I became more and more sort of interested in it and sort of less interested in the sort of performance in the classical sense you know mm-hmm. um so yeah took another gap year <laughs> um and there's a course at RCS called continuing education where you can get it's just a sort of less intense sort of voluntary thing you could do so got lessons in there and then applied for the masters and that was it and then yeah then that was me <laughs> sure.
0: and in yep. terms of your composition like are you starting with one instrument in mind to then build a piece around that and build other instruments in, like how how does it work for you? Because I'm like, I think of you, I, obviously I know you play all these other instruments, but I'm like,
1: yeah, you're in an accordion, so is that where you start? <laughs> no, um, I mean more often than not, you'll get asked to write the piece or you know commissioned or okay. whatever. Mm-hmm. So you'll be you'll get given what you've got. So they'll, they'll they'll be very specific, mind you, as well. It'll be like you know, a, a bassoon, a whistle, and a double bass and it has to be no more than nine minutes and sometimes we'll be specific like it needs to be on this theme like or wow, right not 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 that often so you do have limitations more often than not but the first thing I do is I normally spend about a week two weeks on YouTube um listening to the bassoon and the whistle and the double bait like you know just really getting a sense of it like looking at scores and stuff before actually starting to write anything that's what I do anyway mm-hmm. um just to get your head into it, you know. Uh, and then I take it for there. No. <laughs> and do you take inspiration?
0: Do you think you're taking
1: inspiration all the time,
0: like just from not just like music itself, but just like yeah. when you're about
1: you're seeing things and hearing things and For me at least, um and I know other people as well. I think um sort of non-musical inspiration is is really important for me, at least. Um I normally try and come up with the title first if I oh, can. interesting. Yeah. Great interest in yeah. For a lot of reasons. Normally because the commissioner's like, the programme needs to get printed in three weeks. What's the what What's but, um, <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but for me, it's really important because I find um starting a piece really stressful. In fact, when I bumped into you, uh, last year remember how you remember we bought i was in the middle of starting something it was not going well and i was like oh my god um so i get really stressed at the at the blank page like fair enough i, I mean it's is, it is stressful like there's there's like 12 notes infinite combinations infinite rhythms like infinite like you know what i mean you need to narrow it down somehow you know yeah, what i mean it just seems too big to handle it too, yeah so if i I'll come up with the, the title first um a piece I just um, finished, actually. I, I was re- I quite like sciencey podcasts and sciencey cool. books. Yeah. Um, I was reading about this period of time called the cosmic dawn, which is like when the first stars were formed and stuff. And I thought oh, that's a nice title and that's quite an interesting idea. And that's a, that. So then you're like, okay, right. Think about what that looked like. What did that sound like? All right. And then that starts like making a lot of decisions for you. Like, okay, so maybe it starts slow. And maybe it starts quiet and maybe it starts in the low register. And before you know it, you've narrowed down loads of options, you know. Totally. So I sometimes spend just as much time listening and looking for a title as I do actually writing the piece. So there you go. Are you on an instrument at that point?
0: Like just figuring stuff out? I mean, because yeah. you're talking about like mizoons and didn't like <laughs> are you then like having to get all these instruments or can no. you write on the page? That blows my tiny mind how you can do that. <laughs> well, I will give some of the, the, the trick the
1: away. <laughs> well no. the, it's <laughs> backstage at Disney World. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um no, I've always had the, the piano beside me to actually find notes that I can hear and find where they are. Yes. Um but most composers don't like write on manuscript like with a quill. We all <laughs> use um uh well I use Sibelius there's plenty of other softwares and basically you type in what you want for your bassoon and it plays it back on a oh, beautiful so there you That's go cool. there's
0: all the secrets gone. Well no but it makes total sense of course there's like major advances
1: in technology you're just like that's incredible it's super useful I mean don't get me wrong you still need to take it with a pinch of salt like yes uh-huh. um, and you need to be savvy as well because you see it a lot with young composers I say that as if I'm not like I'm saying that as if I'm some like, as if you're not young Like you're not, <laughs> you are young no as if I'm like some pure expert but like what the the, da- the danger with um, Tibelius or any of these softwares is it plays back whatever you write. So if you are writing for piano and you write that you want 88 eight notes to be played at once, Sibelius will play that back. But a person only has 10 fingers and can only stretch so far. And, it's, and piano's, you know, quite a tactile instrument. Mm-hmm. And most people have a wee bit of knowledge about it. But if you're getting the bassoon and you know nothing about the bassoon, you really need to be careful that you don't get sucked in with Sibelius playing you know, it's like for something like the bassoon, you know, large leaps would be where a player can do it, but it's not going to sound what you think oh, it's going to yeah, sound. Yes, yeah, so really creating like stuff that's probably not
0: humanly yeah. possible, or it's not going to sound like that. That's like me choreographing in my head, Holy. and I'm like, I can do 10 leaps in, in one go and get from that side of the stage to that side of the stage, absolutely fine. And
1: then you yeah. you're like, that is not happening. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, things with string instruments as well, like double stops. You might think, oh, those two, those two notes will be great, but in reality, they are nowhere near each other. You know, so you do need to know your stuff before you go to Sibelius as well. But it's like, oh, I don't know where I'd be without Sibelius. I actually watched a video of yours, and like, <laughs> I was like so proud of you. Oh, I
0: was. I was, I was like, a ceiling, <laughs> my pal, and that's her music. And other people are playing it. Does that not just is that not just the best feeling in the world like all those musicians sit, sitting ready to play your music and then it just starts like i was so emotional it was that, oh. sort of the
1: best thing ever it's so cool oh uh, yeah no it is amazing it is amazing the process itself is it goes through lots of different like stages so like um i i, I assume you're talking about the the video i did with the orchestra yes yeah yes yeah, so, um so that was a scheme run by the London Philharmonic Orchestra for young composers. And they selected five composers from the UK to be part of the scheme uh, for 2019 and 2020. And what it entailed was um, some like smaller workshops and lectures and lessons with um, James McMillan throughout the year. And then it culminated in you writing an eight-minute orchestral piece Um that Was going to get performed in London South Bank in July. And then obviously COVID, blah blah blah. So they couldn't do the live performance, but and I was absolutely gutted. But I think I kind of want to watch because like I got a like professional recording, and recordings are so much more valuable than performances when you're a composer. Like if you don't have a recording, it doesn't exist. So it's never got much of a lifespan afterwards. Um, but yeah, that was a, that was an amazing experience and when I got it, it was quite daunted. It was the biggest amount of musicians I would have ever had worked with. It was the biggest length-wise uh, that I'd ever written for. So it's certainly like talking about the blank page thing. Like, oh my god, that was that was stressful. And had um, they given you a brief? There was actually a very specific brief for that. Ah, okay. And it's almost like the briefs are always things that somebody's just plucked at their arse. Do you know what I mean? And then you've actually got to do it. Do you know what I mean? are like, mate, can we just yeah. get this <laughs> Yeah, totally. So the brief was 2020 was Beethoven's 250th anniversary year. So the, the brief was that you had to take a bit of Beethoven and put it into your piece. Any bit of Beethoven you wanted. Now, this was problematic for me because I hate Beethoven. And this was a huge thing for me, This writing this piece. And I just, I couldn't bring myself to shoehorn a bit of Beethoven in for the sake of it. If there was to be a bit, if I, if I had to put a bit of blinking Beethoven into this piece, I had to find a reason to do it, if that made sense. So again, talking about the sort of research side of doing pieces. So I listened to every single Beethoven symphony with the scores and all these, and it was painful because it's so boring people love beethoven i do not and i'm very open about that and i get slated a lot but it's no for me um i but anyway i appreciate your honesty thank you um so listened to all of beethoven's nine symphonies and then in the ninth symphony i had an idea because in the end of the beethoven nine and um, there's the O to joy theme everyone knows that It's like the most famous bit of Beethoven ever. So it's a bit cliche to take. But 2020 was also the year that Scotland was, um, or the UK was leaving the European Union. And Ode to Joy had quite often been thought of as a European anthem and had actually since become a sort of Brexit protest sort of song. So I, I was like, oh, that's a reason to use it. That's like an actual genuine reason. So I, this piece was all about Scotland's sort of unique ties to the EU, even though we're being dragged out, you know, and um, so basically I wrote music, I was like, Wait, I'm going to figure out how to use this Beethoven bit, so in December I wrote this bit and I took the notes of Ode to Joy, there's only five notes in it, um, I think, yeah, um, uh, there's only five notes in it and I took those notes in the order that Beethoven wrote them, but stretched them out, put them in different registers, did all this other... But I was really, really desperate to keep it intact. Like, if, if you look at the score, you'll see all these different O to Joys all over the place, but wow. you wouldn't know it's there. You wouldn't know it's there. Anyway, so I did all this in December, and I was like, nah, don't like it. Scrapped it, so I scrapped it. And I was like, I was getting so bumped out. so I was like, I'm just going to write the music I want to write. And then I'll worry about the Beethoven thing at another time. So I start writing the music. It's The deadline's June, I think. It's Easter time. I'm five minutes in. I'm loving the piece. I'm like, this is fantastic. Get to a big sort of climactic moment. And I was like, oh God, what now? I've got three minutes left. What? What? Um, I'm stuck. And then I was like, oh, hey, wait a minute. What about that thing I wrote six months ago that I scrapped? And then I dug out the Sibelius file, like shoved them together. And it worked. Oh my and I was god, like, what I'm a genius! That no, I'm joking, <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Talk about a fluke that's Listen, talk that is talk about that is joy, that is ode to joy, ode sure. to joy, yeah. Um, so yeah, Gosh. um, so yeah, submitted the piece and then the premiere got cancelled. But this, um, the co- they, scheduled to have this sort of big professional recording filming day I was like oh my god that's amazing like yes um so kind of going back to what you're asking about like what's it like having your music played well to be honest at first I mean I'm not making out this composing stuff to be much fun but it's really stressful because like you go in you've got your score you know what you think or hope it's going to sound like you have no idea if it is and you go in and like the rehearsal schedules are run like oh, clockwork, it's like, you will rehearse for 20 minutes and, like, then, oh, then the next thing, you know, if you don't get it, you know. So you go in and the players are absolutely phenomenal, but they don't know how this music goes. They have no idea. So the first one or two playthroughs, you're like, oh, dear, what have I done? Oh, dear. And then suddenly after, like, 10 minutes, it sort of clicks in. You're like, oh, actually... But it is quite daunting as, like, a young composer. And I, I say that because the scheme was for young composers. I'm not just saying, oh, I'm young. No, no. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's quite daunting because it's the London Philharmonic Orchestra. And you're I, going to see- be like, oh, could you play that bit a wee bit? You know, and there's always problems, like, especially, like, in an orchestral score. There's always things you've missed. There's mistakes, wrong notes, like, stuff there. And, like, they'll be like... Excuse me. Um, you've got an F sharp here. Is it meant to be an F sharp? And you're like, I wrote this six months ago. I like, I, I, I like going Wait to the score. And see. I know. I like going to the score and like it's in it's the bassoon that was asking me, and I'm like, let me just check. And then I look in the score and it's in tenor clef. So in music, you get different clefs. Treble and bass are like your bog standards. That's what I write in all the time. Use it all the time. Then you've got like alto and tenor, which like random instrument shows, like viola and that. I can't read it. I know how it works. I can't read it quickly. Um, and when, when I'm writing into Bailey's, I write everything in treble clef and then transpose it at the very last minute. So I can't actually read it very well. And he's like, is it meant to be an F-sharp? And I'm like, counting up the ledger lines like I'm like, child. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, you know, <laughs> just play something. I don't know. Play it, um, it. Yeah,
0: it's fine. That's, um, that's important that you're saying that, I think. Yeah. Because there'll be a million other people listening to this who's... I'm say a million because, you know, a million people listen to my podcast. <laughs> yeah. But other composers, other musicians who will be like, oh, thank God that happened to it's you, not just Because, aha, that, and, and I'm guessing all those musicians in that room had that, have had that moment. Oh, yeah. An equivalent exactly. to that moment themselves. Yeah. But when it's you and you have to figure it out.
1: Yeah. And then there was a, a rhythm as well that the whole um, orchestra played in unison. Um and I knew how the rhythm went in my head. When Sibelius played it back, it sounded the way I wanted it. Um, but I'd beamed it slightly incorrectly. So to people reading it for the first time, it was a wee bit confusing to read. And then like the orsh- the one of the leaders of the orchestra goes, Is this what is this rhythm meant to be? Can you clap it for us? And I'm like, I I can't I know that way I'm like, I can't even read my own rhythm. Like I, and I'm like, I think it goes like this, da and he's like, "Is that what's on the page, though?" And I'm like, "Ow, like that, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like they grill you. They really do grill you. <laughs> oh, know, yeah, they do. But it's it's because they want because, to get it right, obviously. Yeah, it's because they want to get it right. There's limited time, and correct. Yeah, they're being they're doing it with your interest, but it's it's, but daunting. it's harsh. Yeah, <laughs> harsh but fair. Um, but I have to say I've talked a whole lot about the negatives, but that that experience when it all came together, I was like. It was oh it was amazing, absolutely amazing. And it was a real real conference boost because I, um I was still a student at the time and I'd written a lot of student pieces and sometimes they were a hit, sometimes oh, a bit of a miss. Um but I feel like I was really happy with what I'd Oh, it was a triumph,
0: It was beautiful.
1: I was I was really happy with what I was what I'd written and how it came out and I was like, Oh, I did good. I'm happy. Pat in the back for me. Um uh-huh. And you I mean, so not, you're in your room doing
0: the thing on your own, like you know, to get to that point, mega scary, but just so rewarding. That's just tremendous.
1: Oh yeah, no. So yeah, I've talked loads about the actors, but would recommend. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> Highly recommend. Five stars. five stars. <laughs> <laughs> would come back. Well, I'm glad they didn't put you
0: off. So that was that was obviously during the pandemic. So what's been happening recently? You've said you've just finished another piece So is that again another commission? And did they come to you now? Are you still looking for like? I guess people that are not in this world
1: at all are like, how do you get work? How do you pay your bills? Aye, it's a good question. (laughs) Um, I mean, I'm lucky now. Like more and more, it's people coming to me and asking, "Can you do this?" And I say yes please um but i still very much um it's probably maybe like um 50 50 like people coming to me and then me applying for things like you know you you've sent me things my way that you've seen <laughs> no, I'm, advertised. I'm like, she's probably like that's not you. something i would apply for lisa i should be giving you a commission for all the for all all all. This stuff you, <laughs> um so yeah you need to be on it you need to look for stuff and then balance that with stuff that, that comes in um and it's been a busy year um I had a fair sort of chunk of stuff to work through, and i um, the end is in sight, which I'm like, oh yay, thank God! And then I'm also like, oh God, buddy, buddy. So yeah, it's it's totally juggling that like balance of having enough and not having too much. And are these um, pieces predominantly for
0: performance purposes, or is there anything like film or TV scores or that kind oh, of? Oh no,
1: I've never ventured into the TV film thing at all. It's a, it's yeah. quite a quite a separate like thing, um, yes, like people yeah. go and do film scoring things and I mean I'd be so keen, like I think it'd be really fun I think it'd be really cool but um, the, the film scoring stuff's very techy, like it's they use all sorts of stuff like, god I, I can just about load up Sibelius and types and notes and like <laughs> the, the the tech these folk are running and the stuff they're using okay. ooh, it's a wee bit it's, I would need to properly sort of figure all that out. But, um
0: and I guess I for you because you are a you're a musician and you've spent a lot of your life around other musicians and playing music yeah. and gigging and do you know what I mean because we've not even got on to the band yeah. Do you know what I mean <laughs> like I guess that is your go to like you're in a room with other musicians and yeah. people are playing them live. That that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Definitely much more of a sort of for live performance yeah. sphere that um working at the moment. But Ah, maybe I'll dabble. Maybe <laughs> you'll dabble.
0: And is there a bucket list of like things you would like to do? You know, you're like, if that came along,
1: that would be pretty awesome. I mean, there's things I would... I mean, I, I do prefer writing for larger groups. I, I don't know. I think it, it seems to sort of work well with the sort of things I try to create and do. Um, but I try not to have many goals <laughs> which sounds stupid um, no, not at all. but just I think I think it can be quite easy for musicians but again when I say musicians I mean mostly all art forms to get sort of bogged down and like oh like so-and-so's got this gig and oh, so-and-so will get that commission and oh by 30 that person had done this and by you know just whatever comes your way give it your best and then you know people will recognize that and Come along with other opportunities and stuff, you know. So, yeah, try not to get too bogged down and having goals because I think it can be a slippery slope, you know, sort of mentally, you know. Or, um and you've always been open. That's,
0: that's, yeah. I mean, you've been like the way you described it as a young person, you were just taking it all in and, and just going after it and just open to doing whatever it took just to play music. Yeah. It so makes sense that that's just the way you are now. I mean, it's lovely to have like a focus, I guess, and some people are yeah. really on the minutia and they know exactly what they want to do and they're, not, they're on that pathway. That's fine if that's for you. But if you're more of a, I'll just get bashed if it feels good, if it feels the right yeah. thing, I'll just go after it.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, works works all right for me. So totally. stick at it for
0: now. <laughs> and in terms of like, so obviously it starts with the accordion, you're saying it comes from that, you know, you're like Celtic ties thing do you mean yeah. like in traditional music and stuff that was obviously like a big aspect of like when you're learning that instrument but you now you're then you're talking about Beethoven so that, that feels like Hi. another world almost yeah.
1: how would you describe the music that you compose? You you seeing like a theme? I I mean I would like to think that I'm like properly slap bang in the middle between classical and folk. And some things are like slightly more on the classical side and maybe some things are like you know slightly more on the folky side but then if I get asked to like do some arrangements of like track tunes for orchestra then I like slide the scale right along you know I, I, it's a moving sort of scale so yeah I'd, I'd like to think that I'm that I'm in that sort of sphere Um but in terms of when I'm writing music I always like people tell you not to but I always try to like think about the audience and I try to write things that I think people like and enjoy I think a lot of contemporary art and music can be quite insular and quite inward and um, not really think about including other people so much. Um, and people might listen to my music and think, oh, they'll like it, that's fine. But, you know, I, I at least try and write something that I think, you know, wide and sort of varied audiences could, could enjoy, you know. That's what I'm going for, anyway. Love it. Love it. I say that, though. My mum and dad come to most of my concerts. My dad, very hard to please. Oh, very really? Right? Okay. Yeah. My mum, not at all. Yeah. And I, I do Mom's there, like, front row clapping like a seal. My dad, like, absolutely. He'll be like, hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Hard to impress. Hard. <laughs> no, my dad's not a musician, as I say. And he's not. He, he never, like, did any formal music. But... He does have a good ear for things. Knows he, likes, eh? I, he knows what he likes, and he knows what he likes and he's quite on it with his opinions. So each to their own. So yeah, Definitely. I'm thinking about my audiences when I'm writing my music, but not my dad. Because <laughs> there's no point. Yeah, too hard to please. Yeah. I love it. But clearly
0: both of them massively supportive, like, you know, Aye. you and your sister like pursue music, and they must just be like so proud, man. Like I was so proud to guys seen that <laughs> video. I was like feels if like you were my own. I was like Miss <laughs> Aileen, she's amazing. I was texting Ryan, like her oh I was like sweet check out Aileen? Like, oh bless, that's so brilliant. sweet. That's so sweet. But, like I said at the start of the podcast, you are you know broad, brave, like um, veteran because you've been. <laughs> Before, you were on it, when it well you were on it before it was even a podcast, because oh, Eriska I... were uh, I... on the blog and then we redid a recording for when it became a podcast, so Eriska, how are, how how's the band, how's it all going? Oh,
1: times are tough man, times oh, are tough. I know, it's so difficult. The, yeah, the thing that's tricky about the band now is that we're all fully fledged adults. <laughs> um, the, what does that feel like? <laughs> yeah, that need to, like, earn money. Um, nah. So we've got a big gig coming up, um, as I s- mentioned, in July, up at Heb Festival. And it's, oh, we're really excited about it, and it's going to be great. And um, mid-July, and we did a doodle poll with every oh. single minute of every single day between yeah. now, this was, like, three weeks ago or something, and the middle of July. So, like, a four- or five-week span. And the only time that all sixes are free is at the gig in Hebkelt. So <laughs> it is, it's like hidden cats. It's so painful. It's like pulling teeth. Absolute pulling teeth. So what, is everybody free at two o'clock in the morning? Yeah. <laughs> Could we never had a rehearsal then? Literally, um yeah, we've all just got so much going on and completely different stuff that, you know, like Scott um the piper, he works in the bagpipe factory in Um, down in Ayrshire, making bagpipes in the mornings. So he gets up at four in the morning. Yeah, to leave at five, I think. And he works, like, like, so basically from the middle of the night until, like, afternoon. And then, like, me and Madeline, we all do, like, afternoon, after school, like, teaching. And then, like, Gavin in in particular and Julian are, like, super wedding bandied out. So then from, like, evening till, like, one in the morning, they're out, like, doing all the weddings and all that. so yeah, there's probably like a three hour window while we're asleep that we could rehearse. So
0: it's great that you're still making it happen, though. Do you know what I mean, those opportunities, especially after on the verge, after, <laughs> aye, totally. But like after COVID, do you know what I mean? That you're still you're you're taking that 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 gig, that opportunity to go and do a nice aye. festival. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Because um because obviously when I started this podcast, it was pre pandemic and all the rest of it, and it was yeah. I, I mean, I love. It is was musical, like I really do, I think it's just tremendous. It's so, so different to anything else that I've heard in that kind of genre, I think. So, um, yeah, no, I, I hope that you manage to get a, a rehearsal so you can yeah, no, me, me too, me too, me too. And then you, you know, because you've invented this, this eighth day of the week, then started a podcast.
1: <laughs> inspired Sorry. by you, inspired by you. Yes. I no me and my um, fiance Ben Jordan lockdown. We always wanted to do something together. We didn't really know what. We'd thought about starting a concert series or something, but then when lockdown came, the idea for a for a podcast kind of um, came to us, and we kind of just got on the bandwagon before everybody in their granny started a podcast. But the aim of the podcast was basically to just try and have more down to earth. But still meaningful conversations with composers in the sort of classical music um, sphere because I, I've kind of like sort of touched upon my feelings of the classical music scene. You know, it can be it can be stuffy, it can be elitist, it can be a lot of things, and me and Ben feel the same. So we just wanted to have informative because I I, I like to sort of to listen to a podcast and feel like I've came away with something, you know. Yes. Um so informative, but inclusive and inviting yeah, conversation for people yeah totally uh, you want people all types of people listening to your podcast not just folk that are composers yeah don't go me wrong sometimes they do get a wee bit geeky and even sometimes when a composer's talking about something I'm like you're gonna have to explain that for me like you know yeah, like I don't, yeah, I don't yeah, know what yeah. I about that's why I asked so. you
0: that question earlier on because I'm like <coughs> someday might be like what's that I mean totally. I was like what is that and I think that's so, but that's cool that's
1: important that you just, just stack that, that up. yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah um as i say yeah because classical music has yeah it's got a lot of baggage and slowly but surely just trying to yeah make it a wee bit more bring it into the modern day a wee bit really important if
0: if at all possible well if it's going (laughs) to survive do you know if people are going to new people are going to appreciate it do you know and that's a big if that's a yeah, big issue, well, I would yeah, say. You know, and I think in the day and age of like phones and you know social media and and, and also like the immediacy of everything, like everything oh, needs yeah. to be quick, or else folk are like, well, I'm interested. It is important to keep these art forms alive. Like they are important. It's like ballet. You know, I used to always say young folk that was teaching maybe like hip hop or whatever, street dance, and they would want to go and do dance. I'm like, you really need to do ballet? like, oh well, Like I'm like, no, it's the basis. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It really is like and it'll be a slog maybe at first if that's not your go-to but you'll realise like the benefit of it and you'll start to enjoy it but yeah it's just a thought of it kind of thing for people who have not like you came at music from like a really young age
1: yeah 100% I think what you're saying about the immediacy of things these days is really hard um, to combat if you're trying to pitch an hour and a half symphony to people you know Um, so how do you get folk in the door Um, you know I don't know. But I think it's important though that we do slow, slow down. Yeah. Like you do take
0: that time to appreciate. it, like save or something, like everything doesn't need to have like a pure hit. Like it needs yeah. to
1: be three minutes and that's that. Oh it, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And time away from screens and other things, you know? And I wonder, you know, maybe it's going through a tough time at the moment, but I wonder as the, the technical age progresses and things get even more. Uh, like, t- technology, it's even more intense and invasive. I wonder if people have a newfound appreciation. I don't
0: know. We'll see. Hopefully. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think things come round in waves as well. Oh, um, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Where people go, rediscover stuff. They're like, oh, actually, I used to like listening to a full album from start to finish and not just listening to, like, the headline track, like you know, the title the track like. or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Totally. But yeah, you must have spoken to so many interesting people then, and I guess you were doing it over lockdown, so you were just making it happen online like we are just now.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's nice to have some in-person ones now, um, yes. for sure. But no, yeah, a fair few interesting folk, a real range of folk as well, so... Folks should check it out if they're at all interested. Yes, we'll put
0: the link in the show notes and all that. Yeah, because I was even like, I love how you put the little clips on your Facebook. I think that's great, like, just, you know, to get bring people in. Do you know what I mean? Because if you don't think it's for you and you're like, no, 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 that's what I say about my podcast. I'm like, you don't need to, like, be into the thing that we're talking about. Like, necessarily, like, is it should be a kind of education, like a world that you're not involved in. Can just dip in and for an hour and dip back out. Yeah. Totally. And that's I mean, that is the joy of my job because I get to meet people like you. Where I'm like, I don't have a clue about your world, but it's fascinating to me. Do you know what I mean? And that's a privilege I've got working in the arts because I get to meet so many interesting people. And that's kind of why I started this podcast. I wanted to give that to other folk. Yeah. there's these folk that are just like us doing amazing things, like, check
1: it out. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you've got some you've got some fantastic episodes. I remember In particular, the one with Man of the
0: Minch. I enjoyed that. Yes. Yeah, just some seriously cool folk doing amazing things. Like yourself, just like dead passion. I'm always super impressed with people's like dedication to the stuff that they love. Because especially when you were saying, oh, I'm being dead negative. You weren't being, you were just being realistic. Like, and that's the thing. Like, it is hard work and it is slog. And sometimes doesn't go your way or, do you know and you are, having a graft. But clearly, you love it.
1: Yeah, end of the day. Yeah, there's a reason you
0: do it. So, totally, yeah, 100%. So what's on the card? I mean, obviously, you're going on holiday, which is very exciting. But yeah. what's on the cards for the immediate kind of future?
1: Yeah, music-wise, um, I'm just finishing up a total mental skills project down in London. Um, went in with a bunch of kids, and I basically had to get them to compose in a day, basically. Words, right? yeah like nine-year-olds. I had like 15 violins um, (laughs) and then they come up with all these ideas and then I take them away and then write them out for orchestra. for first. So I'm just finishing that. And then the thing that's on the horizon, which I'm starting to like, get like, oh my God, about uh, writing a percussion concerto um, for the Britain's Euphoria, a sort of ensemble based down south. Never really written for percussion much before. I will see how that goes so yeah that's definitely new that's definitely new so that's the next the next big thing so aye, there you go you just continue to challenge yourself which is like it's so important but
0: like it is like you could just rest in your laurels and go i'm good at that thing i'll just keep doing that but it's cool that you go after other stuff and you're like i will we'll throw that in the mix and see what happens yeah see what happens totally <laughs> well like i've it. no doubt and i mean you might be doing yourself but i'm not down yet at all i know you're oh. going it <laughs> thank you now, Aileen, you'll know if you've listened to the podcast that I do a thing called the jugs. These are just random questions that I like to pick from a list um, for each guest just to see what their answer would be the day. So if you would indulge me, I'll pick a few for the list.
1: Okay, go on. So. Oh, I'm nervous. <laughs> oh,
0: don't worry, don't worry. It's just your answer the day. It's just your answer the day. Okay. Hey, we'll start fine. easy. We'll start easy. Tomato or brown sauce? Tomato.
1: Oh. oh. <laughs> well, it depends what I'm having. Uh, if I, uh, well, tomato sauce. Tomato sauce. Fair dues. See? Yeah. Easy peasy. <laughs>
0: um, best gig you've ever been to? And I say gig in the sense like it could be any sort of music that you've been to. Best gig you've ever been to? I can't
1: think of something in particular, but I think something about, you, know, as I was saying earlier, going to concerts as a young person and it all being so new, so exciting. So I think I would pick going to like one of those children's classic concerts with a mum, something like that, where I have a very, very, very vague recollection. I just was like so excited about it all. I think I would pick that. Yeah. That's totally. lovely. That's a nice <laughs> answer.
0: And thank God your mum took you there. Aye. Thanks, on Mum. Your, on your mum. Yeah. <laughs> um most treasured possession and why? I
1: have so much crap. Like I, I, just, I just I just I just absorb junk. Like honestly. So much. I mean junk. you've got some seriously good musical instruments kicking about most treasured instrument uh, well most treasure possession probably I'm my accordion not because I practice it anymore, just because it's the most expensive. So if the house was burning down, I'd take it out of the house and eBay. flog it on eBay. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah.
0: Totally. Uh, it, it, so you've got the one accordion I
1: that's I did have three, had three. Right. Sold one. I've got three. two now. Two. So you I'd take two. the most expensive one and bolt. <laughs> <I love it.
0: laughs> um can you finish this sentence? I have always
1: wanted to go to Japan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. In lockdown, we did loads of those walking tours. Like we, you like go on a fake tour of a city. Oh, nice. Not great. a fake. It's a real tour of a city. Somebody's giving a tour of the city, but just filming it. Yeah. So me and Ben would sit and watch them, and we would like eat the stuff from that place, and we'd like get a Japanese and and eat it, and go around Japan, or we would oh, get that's like, a good idea. And we'd get pizza and we'd walk around Italy. So Moll's wanted to go to Japan or somewhere in Asia. I think somewhere where the culture is like, completely different. I'm loving your lockdown this. You, yeah. you were good at that game. I was going to say, oh, you should have came and joined us, but that's the whole point of lockdown.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can you handle two more? I all right. Clearly you have many talents that we know about. Do you have any hidden talents? No. Party pieces that we, know, we don't know about?
1: Uh, no, I think like literally, like literally, no. Like, um, I just oh well, actually, I do have a, a party piece that me and my sister used to pull off. Okay, I, it's not a party piece. We used to be able to convince people that we could speak Gaelic, we had yes. like rehearsed fake Gaelic. We were quite young at the time, we were, we were still, we just thought it was hilarious. We were we chatting because we used to go to these band camps and all this together, and then. Um, People would be like, you know, because you always have to like say something interesting about yourself. And me and my sister were like, oh, we're flirting Gaelic. And we'd like rehearse phrases of like absolute nonsense. nonsense. And then they'd be like, oh, what did she just say then? We like rehearsed what the fake phrase meant. Like, why did we just learn Gaelic? Like, that we were like, yeah. <laughs> it, it was basically an, um, mixture of like complete gobbledygook and like the sims but actually oh my gosh just very quickly the weirdest thing fa- right so one of our fake phrases right okay was who the this of the right but <laughs> in lockdown right um oh my god it was so oh, I, i've never laughed so hard in lockdown celtic connections did online um uh, concerts yes and me we watched them here and my mum and Fiona and all that my sister uh watched him in the house and we were watching one of the concerts and the Karen Matson I think a Gaelic singer was up doing a piece and we were kind of texting each other like being like oh I like this song or oh that one was good and then she sang this Gaelic song and right in the middle of the corner she's like the scary up a day and I was like what and I was like I filmed it and, and just as I sent it to Fiona she sent it to me she was like <laughs> what like so maybe it was a wee bit actual real Gaelic I don't know maybe it was that was a tangent sorry I love that see this is what I love about the hang of me <laughs> I
0: love that I love how you went to the border. that's amazing so that's before we were doing the four hours practice a day <laughs> I you're like stop making up fake Gaelic and practice your instrument yeah <laughs> oh, I love it. And um, the question I ask everybody, so I mix them all up, but the one I ask everyone because it's called the Brunt the Brave is, "What is your favourite Scots word or phrase?"
1: One springs to mind immediately. Glake it. I can't even describe what it means other than just glake it. Like it is just glake it, and I use it all the time, all the time. <laughs> About other people. <laughs> Yeah, not me. I'm not glaikit at all. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I know. I've had that quite quite a few times in the podcast. And somebody was like, "Yeah, you would just need to put a picture of somebody yeah. Dana Glaikit face to be like, this is what I mean." You're like, "All oh, right." Yeah, it's very specific, but <laughs> very is. hard to pin down. And it's a good one to say as well. it Feels good when yeah. you say it. Gleket. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're not. You're not glaikit whatsoever. Aileen Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Well listen This has been a total joy I'm sorry we couldn't do it in person But yeah you. you I mean We'd need to have, get the doodle pull out And I'm not sure we would have... <laughs> Somebody, you're, a busy, you're a busy human I can't even face another doodle pull. <laughs> I can't even look at them No <laughs> Well hopefully we're going to see each other In a couple of weeks time But yeah. um, thanks so much For coming on The Brown and Brave Again Nay bother, nae bother. And, um, I just wish you all the best In everything you're about to do next I know it's just going to be a I am And enjoy your holiday I will yeah have a have a brilliant time and thanks
1: Thanks so
0: so much I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the brawn the brave a podcast about people and their passions join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests bye for now